0: Just our real estate episode number 97. Welcome and thank you for joining me here on Just Our Real Estate. I really appreciate you being here with me. My name is Mike Simmons. I am your host and before we get started, I want to make a quick announcement and let you know that I've started my coaching program this year. It started actually this month. I've already got applications rolling in and I'm really excited to take on a few students this year. I've never done this before and I'm really excited to help a few people out. I wish I could help more, but I only really have room in my schedule for three three or four students. So that's exactly what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna take on three or four students this year and really help them launch their real estate investing business in a major way this year. So like I said, I've got applications rolling in. If you're interested in finding out more or becoming one of my students, go to juststartrealestate.com forward slash coach. Again, juststartrealestate.com forward slash coach and it'll give you all the details you need to uh, apply to the program and to and to get started and to find out how to get a hold of me and uh, become one of my students. I am really excited about this program. I really am committed to helping some people really just kill it in real estate this year. Just launch their business and be very successful. So. I can't wait to hear from you. I'm looking forward to working with you. If you go to my website and check it out and apply, I will be talking to you very soon, and hopefully you'll be one of my students. I can't wait to talk to you, and hopefully I will talk to you soon. All right, on to the show. All right. Thank you. Welcome to Just Start Real Estate. I appreciate you coming here and spending time with me. Uh, I have a guest on, and actually, he I believe he's the first return guest that I've had so far. So that's very cool, and it, and it makes sense because he's a good friend of mine, and he's somebody who's very successful in real estate. So I want to uh, welcome back to the show Eric Tomei. If you remember, Eric and his partner Scott uh, flip just a ton of houses every year. They're, they're really successful flippers in Michigan, and they're just doing a ton of great stuff here, and very, very successful successful. But the reason, the specific reason why I wanted to get Eric back on the line is we're going to not do this in an interview sort of way. I want to have a conversation with Eric and not necessarily talk about flipping and the mechanics of that and his business per se, but I want to talk about private money because in Eric's uh, company that, he, that he's a partner in, one of his primary jobs or primary functions in his partnership is to attract and and work with the private money lenders. So that is sort of, you know, for a lot of people, that's like the holy grail of real estate investing, right? If you can get a stable of real estate investors and private investors um to work with you and fund your deals, I mean the sky's the limit. That's how you really scale real estate investing. So Eric is what I would Consider to be an expert in that area. He's been doing it for a long time. He has a ton of experience, a lot of good information and, and knowledge, and and I'm sure we're going to talk about some tips and things here. But like I said, I'm, I don't have a scripted interview. I'm not. I don't have a list of questions that I normally do that I'm going to ask him. I'm going to make this very conversational because, like I said, we're friends. I I have private lenders, and and I've attracted private lenders. So we're going to have a general. You know, private lending, private investor conversation, where we just sort of lay it all out there and uh, kind of expose our business and, and tell you how we're doing it and how we started and where we are now and how we plan on on bringing in more private investors and that kind of thing. So. Hopefully this will be very interesting for you. It's going to be kind of loose format, like I said. So you know, just buckle up and get ready. It's going to be a conversation between two real estate investors, and hopefully, you know, as, as candid as we can be. So it's not scripted. Just uh, just take a listen, and I, and I hope it's a lot of fun. Eric, I I really appreciate you coming back uh, and talking to me and being on the show again. It's awesome to have you here, man.
1: Mike, thank you so much for having me here on the show. And thank you. I I appreciate the honor of being the first turn uh, guest on Just Start Real Estate. I'm here to help all of the listeners out there because you know where you and I started, you know, seven, eight years ago. And I'm just here to provide information and value to people um, because I know when you start anything, it's always the toughest step.
0: Right. And I mean, one of the questions that I get a lot, and I know you do too, and it was really, you know, my biggest question when I started this was listen, I don't have forty, fifty thousand dollars in the what? bank. How am I ever gonna invest in real estate? How how do you how am I gonna do it? Right. I don't mind I, I can learn anything and I can jump right in with all kinds of excitement, but without the money behind you, how do you do this business? So Private, I mean, you can go different routes, right? You can go to the bank and and hard money, but private lenders and and, uh, you know private investors are really, to me, the number one number one way to scale your business or to be in a position to scale your business. I mean, you have to find deals for sure, but you can find you know twenty deals, but if you can't fund any of them, what's the point, right?
1: Mike, you couldn't be more right. And I'll tell you, when we all started this, you know, two thousand seven, two thousand eight, um, the banks laughed at us. Oh, you, you want to finance a bank oh no? Exactly.
0: Exactly. You know,
1: I mean, it was almost like the town joke, you know. And you, you're running out, you know, with your tail between your legs because you're like, well, wow, that was a great failure. Right. So the really private investors are the lifeblood. Of any of our business, I know with our business, and I know you can pretty much talk about your business in the same context as well. If we didn't have our private investors, we wouldn't have a business, and I value them so much for the opportunities they have given us to grow our business. Right? Um, they have really been the catalyst. And you know, just like you said, I started with zero dollars. I couldn't put any of my own money into any of my deals because I didn't have it. I mean, I you know, I did not have any money. And you know, people talk about all the time, you know, oh my gosh, I can't believe, you know, these these investors that you have, you know, do a hundred percent LTV, you know, loan to value. I'm like, we didn't have a choice and we started. There was no choice. I had to really build the relationship and the trust. And that's the number one thing that you have to remember. People have to like you. Number two, they have to trust you. And number three, it is usually on their terms because it's their money. Always right. remember that. Um, I, have a, I have a saying. I know you know we've talked about it too, and it's, it's generally correct. It's he who holds the money holds all the cards. So yep. you just have to go in with that attitude, and you really have to go in with just making your investors happy. The first question that I tell people, a prospective investor or an investor we've done 10, 15 deals with, is what would you like out of this deal? You tell me, and then that's a good base and a starting point because it's a it's an open-ended, soft question. It is not, these are our terms, and this is what we're going to do, and boom, 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 boom. No, it's nothing like that. Even after doing over 70 houses, I still ask all of our investors, new or established, what would you like out of this deal? And then we go from there.
0: Yep. And I think it's important too to make the point that the investors are the lifeblood. And, and you you know, like you said, it's, it's, you thank them for the opportunity that they gave you to, to, to do what you're doing. But it's critical that everyone has to understand that it's a two way street, right? They're helping Excellent. you and they're funding your business, and that's great for you. But there there's a tremendous benefit for the investor as well otherwise they wouldn't do it right so they're getting great returns you know they're they're you're you're kind of fulfilling your obligations that you're you know committing to in the beginning so they're helping you a ton and quite frankly you're helping them a ton right but as soon as it becomes only one person feeling like they're getting what they need then it's no longer a good relationship so as long as what they need out of a deal satisfies what you need as well Then it's a that's the best kind of private investor relationship that you can have.
1: Mike, I couldn't agree more. I mean, this is not, you know, you are not running your business. I am not running my business other investors are not running their businesses as charities or otherwise we would call it a charity and operate as a nonprofit this is a for profit business it's not to be greedy or to be selfish but this is why we're all in it we're all in it to make money in real estate and we're all in it so that we all can make money in real estate our investors included it's important that they feel good about what they're doing because we want them to do deals with us in the future correct so Before any, and if I can impart this on your listeners, before you leave the investing table or before an agreement is signed, you better make sure that your investor is 100% comfortable with it and so are you because the last thing you want to do is have any hard feelings one way or the other because I can guarantee you it's going to leave a sour taste in somebody's mouth.
0: Yep, absolutely. And, you know, that's the bottom line, right? If somebody walks away unhappy it's just not going to go well. You know, it's it's just not going to go well because even if it goes as planned, one person wasn't happy. So that person won't be happy even if it goes as planned. And you and I both know, Real estate investing, if nothing else, is unpredictable, and yes. it, and it can be a little volatile. So things don't always go as planned. But um, you know, as far as your commitments and what's in writing, that has to go as planned. So if things come up along the way, you've got to adjust, and and you know, there has to be some open communication so everyone's on the same page. But you know, before we go too much farther, I want to talk a little bit about, or let's discuss your first deal. You know, briefly sure. in term, not necessarily the deal itself, but just how did it get funded? How did, where did you start? Uh, so let's say your first deal, how did it get funded? And then what was your first deal that you did with a private investor? And maybe let's talk about those things. And I'll do the same thing. I'll, I want to share my experience too. But <clears throat> just let me know how you got started there.
1: Yeah, I mean, simply, actually, Mike, um, so all your listeners know, I actually got started as a private investor, my current business partner and I, I actually was the private investor for our deals. And we worked so well together and enjoyed working so well together, which is a key component in business having complimentary skills, he loved doing the project management. I loved talking to people, networking and raising money. It was a mar- it's a marriage that still works today. So really our first deal together was me being the private investor for a house. And then our first private investor that we got, we had known this person for three to four years. And he's he's a fellow real estate colleague. I mean, real estate is a small world, especially, you know, in the metro Detroit area. And I said, hey, I go, he wasn't currently working with one of his partners. So he had, you know, quite a bit of money. So we sat down and met with him and said, look, this is what we can offer you, you know, A, B and C. And. If you're if you are willing and you are able to and you are comfortable with us, we would love to put together a deal with you. And again, you know. Our our deals are very straightforward, Mike. As are yours. Um, we offer our investors three options, and, and so all of your listeners can at least take this away from it. We offer our investors. Hang on, hang
0: on, hang on. Before you say that, let me jump okay. in just for a second. Yep. I know that I know that you you have three offers now. When you first approached that first investor, did you have yep. three options back then as well, or was it just
1: one? Um, actually, it's a great question, Mike. Um, we did not have three options. Okay,
0: let's hear what you offered him or yep. her whatever right off right off the bat and then yep. let's find out what you're doing now
1: Yep. Um, so what we did, Mike, and, and this was just beginner's, nah, I don't want to say beginner's fear, but of course, the first time you do anything, you should be pretty crappy at it. And hopefully you'll get better at it as you, <laughs> exactly. as, you as as the as the time goes on, let's hope, um, if you're growing as an investor as a person. But we offered our investor 50% of the net equity, which means that whatever net profit we had after all expenses were taken care of, we would split evenly between our company and the investor. They got 50% of the profit. Yep, okay. Um, That is not what we currently do now. Now, the reason we don't do that now is because, one, we have to maximize um, our resources and the money we have. Two, the market is is clearly different than it was six or seven years ago. Costs of everything have gone up. We cannot afford to do that because the margins are not there currently in our market. Plus, again, once you establish a rapport and a relationship with people, the investor builds confidence. And it's just a great thing because you have more options once you can prove to them the results. You don't have to do 50% of the equity. In fact, sometimes it's even 40% or below or even a combination of things.
0: Okay. Okay. So then what are the three options that you give them now?
1: Yeah. The three options that we do give them, just so again, your listeners know, are we do offer still a percentage of the net equity. That is still our our most popular option. We also offer a percent interest rate per month, which typically averages, just so your um, listeners know, anywhere from, from 12 to 15% annualized. So, we also offer a flat fee. Some investors are very, very squeamish about investing large amounts of money. So we'll say if you give us, and I'm just using nice round numbers, if you give us $50,000, we'll give you $5,000 back, which is 10% right. after a certain amount of time. So some investors do appreciate that. Some don't. Like I said, it is all on the com- how comfortable the investor is with, with whatever option we're presenting.
0: Okay, that makes sense. And that's, you know, <clears throat> I kind of had a similar approach in the <laughs> beginning. At my first deal, we actually bought the house itself with a, a traditional mortgage, basically. I mean, we had no other options. We had no private so, investors. We, we didn't right. have the money, certainly, to buy the house. So um, we used a mortgage. So we, and that was back in 08, actually. So, <clears throat> you know, we were able to do that, luckily. So we got a mortgage and for the rehab, we had um fifteen thousand dollars in in rehab you know that we estimated and that's end up what it was it was around 15 and we used savings we used credit cards um you know basically our own our own money and financed the the rehab that way and luckily it was a, a very you know successful deal especially considering we bought the house for forty thousand and we sold it for i think we sold it for 80 or 85 something like that. It's a great deal. Yeah, great I deal. mean it's a pretty solid deal and it's, you know, low low end cost obviously. This was back in 08 when when things sure. really were tanked, right. but um yeah, I mean we made like 15,000 on that deal so above and beyond our cost. costs. So it was very successful and then what we did and this was on the advice of, of a, a a mutual acquaintance that we have in our mastermind said all right, so you you did one deal. Actually, we weren't even finished with with the deal. We were in the middle of it, and it was going well, and we kind of thought it was going to go well. So we started documenting everything and taking pictures and video, and we created a Facebook page, which back then I think was called a, a business page. I think yeah, they started right. calling that. Yeah. So we we made a business page, <clears throat> and um, you know just start putting video and pictures up there and, and showing what we were doing and talking about it and kind of documenting the whole process and. Prior to uh, finishing that deal, we already started attracting private investors who liked what we were doing and wanted to work with us. And actually, you were one of those private investors yeah, right, at the time. Exactly. And you know, we yep. were getting to know each other through a, a, a mutual uh, meeting that we went to, the mastermind meeting that we were involved in. And, um, yeah, so we were kind of forming a friendship, but also, you know, you were seeing what we were doing and and you were, you know, newer, newish to, to real estate. And, um, you know, a couple other investors approached us and so... The first deal that I did with a private investor was with you and one other individual who yep. you guys combined and, and combined money basically to to um, make you know the total amount that we needed for purchase and rehab. <clears throat> because I don't think at the time, I could be wrong about this, but I don't think at the time either one of you had enough funds to do the whole deal yourself, I'm pretty sure.
1: You know what, Mike? You're absolutely right. We did not have the amount of funds to do the deal ourselves, but together we had plenty of money to do the deal together. Right,
0: right, right. So- and, I, and I'm trying to remember now, because like I said, this isn't scripted, so I didn't go back and do my homework, but I think a I feel like we had some agreement. Like a, I think we had a joint venture agreement between the three of us—you, the other private investor, and myself—but I don't think we had a mortgage or a note. Is yeah. that right? We—I feel you like we what? did some of this on a handshake. No, no, that.
1: you're absolutely right, Mike. Um, here's—I from what my recollection of it was—was was this, and this is also a, another good thing to impart to all of um, uh, the newbies out there who uh, want to get into real estate investing. You know, if you don't have private investor money, which means liquid cash of another individual sitting in a bank account. I did this through my self-directed IRA. That's also another vehicle that you can use to approach people on because self-directed IRAs are different from traditional or from the regular IRAs where you can actually invest in real estate. So in the deal that Mike is talking about, I actually pulled almost $30,000 from my self-directed IRA with another individual who had cash. And that is how we purchased the house and then rehab the house. And Mike took care of all the rehab from start to finish.
0: Yeah, and that's kind of how we structured it. You guys were, you know, basically just the investors, right? The money investors, yeah. and then yeah. I handled, you know, finding the house, renovating, and getting it sold. And uh, like I said, the funny thing is, is um, you know, we did we did some of this on a handshake. I mean, it wasn't really the the, the documents were not like really tight, right? They were. We didn't have all the documents that no, I, that no. I use now or yeah. that you use now. Um, right. But it worked Correct. out fine. I mean, honestly, I, I've talked to enough private investors, and and a lot of them will tell you. Sure, you you need to get documents in place and signed and all that, but a lot of them, and I've heard a lot of investors say this: if you feel like you have to have all that documentation, you're probably not very comfortable with the person you're working with. And I know a lot of people who have done a lot of deals on handshakes. So, you know, it's not the way I do it now, but right,
1: exactly. But it
0: wasn't a bad thing.
1: Right, I couldn't agree with you more. I don't think that the handshake is a bad deal if if you feel in your heart that you truly trust the person now. Now, a lot of things can happen in a deal, as you know, Mike. You've done plenty of them, so have we. Um, you do need written documentation from start to finish because You know, you you never know in some catastrophic situation, it could go to a court of law, somebody could pass away. I mean, just awful, awful things could happen, but you have to be prepared for every contingency that can happen in a real estate deal. Now that, because we were so new and we did our deal, you know, I mean, we were. It was. It was more handshaky. Did we have? So to tell all your, you know, your listeners, we did have something in writing. Everybody. <laughs> yeah, we had. We, a, we had, a had a joint venture
0: something. agreement, I believe, that basically called out everyone's responsibilities and and how much exactly. profit everyone was entitled to. Yeah, right. I mean, it was super. It was super naive. Uh, you know, looking back, I mean, it, it all worked out fine. You know, because okay. everyone was honest and and very upfront. But it was a little naive, and you know, neither one of us run our business that way, and we haven't for years and years and years. But it's just you know it was just funny to remember back that we did it that way cuz oh, yeah. i remember the reason i remember is it didn't strike me as being all that crazy until i was telling people about the deal like after the fact and you know they were asking about the documents that we used and how did we you know what what types of contracts did we have in place and i was like we really didn't have anything we had a joint venture agreement but we didn't have any mortgage or any notes or anything and i remember people being just shocked like floored that we did it yeah. that way and, and and we were dealing with that much money without You know, all of the documents that we should have had. And and I that's when it struck me that it was so odd. And I've I've not done a deal like that since. I've I've always had all my documents in place since then. Not because anything went wrong. It went it was fine. But people just sorta were so shocked, it kinda freaked me out and and made me realize I better have all these documents in place. So you know, that's how we both run our business now, but
1: Right. It just makes you realize that you're open to new ideas and educating yourself to make sure that you're maximizing um, not only profits, but maximizing your potential return as well. So, you know, it's just just educating yourself. I mean, nothing bad about that deal. The deal was awesome. But again, it's always good. You're always learning as a real estate investor. And if you can pick up tips from somebody, that are good, you implement them in your business. Or at least you test them to see if they work.
0: Yep, absolutely. Now, let's talk about, OK, so just you You mentioned how you talked to the first private investor that you got. You, you I, get, I assume you took them out to lunch or dinner or coffee or something. Uh, What exactly did you say to them? Like how did you and I'm just trying to put my my mind in in the in the brain of someone who has never done this? So, you know, let's just say someone has has never done a deal. I know it's real tough. I mean, getting a private investor when you've not done a deal is next to impossible, in my opinion. But when you approached them and you were kind of new and really hadn't done much, what did you say? What was your approach and how did you kind of handle it? I mean, and let's get let's get right down to it. Like, how did you dress for it? Where did you meet? you know if you can remember those kind of things just so people have yeah. an idea
1: actually i can um it was at a it was at a real estate meeting and and let me just preface this by saying that it was a lot easier i think in in retrospect because this particular investor already had invested in real estate before so there wasn't a learning curve so if you guys is so if any of your listeners out there were approaching private investors like a doctor a dentist a attorney, whoever, who has no foundation in real estate, that's going to be a way bigger um, education or learning curve than if someone who's already invested in real estate. So I I think it's fair to point that out. So I didn't really have to do a whole lot of convincing. I just said, these are the deals we've done in the past. I said, these are the amount of money. This is the amount of money that we have made in our deals. I know you're not partnering with anybody. I go, is it worth the conversation for us to talk further to see if we can do a deal together? And, you know, honestly, I told the guy, which is true. I mean, our investor, I like the guy too. I liked the guy, I wanted to do deals with him and I said if if you're available to do deals, if you have funds, this is what we're about and you know from there it just kind of snowballed. It wasn't um, a suit and tie conversation, okay. I mean I was in Dockers in a, in a polo shirt but I mean you know Mike, most of the time when you see me I'm in Dockers in a polo shirt for right. various reasons right. whether you know, <laughs> okay. so that's not really like an odd you know kind of thing. Um, so it was just simply, you know, we were at the same place at the same time. And I said, well, let's talk about it some more. Obviously, we were at a meeting. So then we talked a couple days later. We did meet. I believe it was for it was for coffee. Um, and we did meet. And, and that was, we got our, our first deal hammered. There wasn't like 10 magical questions whatsoever. There was just two or three questions that I basically asked to get to the point. One. Um, are you still doing real estate deals? Because that's important because sometimes investors do other stuff besides real estate. Two, are you currently doing any real estate deals with anybody? Three, if you're not, would you like to do a deal with us? And here's what we can offer you.
0: Right. So it's really, that's a good point that you approach someone who was already investing in real estate or had invested in real estate. So you don't have to explain the risks. You don't have to explain the mechanics. They Correct. they pretty much get it. And you're right, man. That is that's a really good point. And I don't think I've ever brought that up to the audience. Is if you're trying to to um you know I hate to use the word convince because it sounds like you're trying to trying to trick somebody. But right. if you try to discuss real right. estate investing with a lawyer or a doctor or whatever, you know, it, you're right. There's you have to first of all explain the mechanics. You have to like. Get them, you know, used to the idea of how it would go down, and then whether or not it, the investment is good for them. Like, there's a lot more steps in place to get them to the point that they're comfortable and willing to invest than there is with someone who's already who's already done it or is Absolutely. doing it. Yeah. And um, yeah, that's a really good point. And I think you know, I just want to piggyback on something you said and something that t- somebody told me one time is when, you know, you mentioned that you like, you, you actually, you know, genuinely like this person too as a person before you approach them as a private investor. And I think, you know, I got advice one time and I think it's really, really good advice. And I really try hard to follow this in my own business. And it is, if if the person that you're investing with, right, when you see their name or number come up on your caller ID when they're calling you and you dread answering it, because maybe, you know, you guys, you know, they're just not your kind of person or you don't get, you know, you don't have the same personality or whatever reason. If you have a, a, like a sinking feeling or like, oh, I don't want to talk to them, that's not the right investor for you. You really shouldn't be investing with people who you don't enjoy taking their calls. So, you know, I try to to follow that myself. You know, as much as I can, and I don't have any private investors that I don't like. That's for sure. Um, and right. they don't all have to be your age and like like the same you know basketball or football team that you watch. And they come over and hang out with you on the weekends. But I'm just saying, someone who you genuinely enjoy them. You know, you, you think they're a good person. You enjoy their personality, and you can speak to them about things other than real estate and have a nice conversation. I think that that's an important because you just don't want to get in a situation where you're in business with someone who you don't like being around. That's really not a good situation.
1: You know, it's it's so funny you say that, Mike, because as you were saying all this stuff, I, I equate it to that gnawing feeling in the pit of your stomach when you were talking about calls or, you know, interactions with people that, you know, you don't like. If that ever happens to any of you or you feel like something is not right or you say to yourself, you know, I just can't put my finger on it, but I just don't like that man or woman, you know, and I, I just don't like what they're all about. Let me just offer a piece of advice to all of your listeners. You're probably right. Always go with your gut. Your gut never lies because it's telling you something that you don't already know, but is trying to prevent you from possibly making, uh, you know, a big mistake. So it is important to listen to yourself because you are smarter than you think when you're judging people. Yeah. So,
0: yep, you definitely want to stay out of business with people you don't enjoy being around. So, you know, that's just, you know, to me that's just the bottom line with it. So, all right. So, let's keep going here a little bit. Now, you guys sure. l- just out of curiosity, so you've been invest let's just say you and Scott your business. How long yeah. have you guys been in business together?
1: Yep, in business together, we have we have done, and I'll answer it this way: we have done deals together since two thousand seven, so it's been um, a little over seven years. Okay. Formally, how long have we incorporated? It will be four years, but we have done business together for seven years, and what I mean by that is we were doing real estate deals um, for three years between each other. We were doing them. We just decided to formally incorporate. Um, in two thousand ten. Okay.
0: So now that you guys have been working together, let's just say for seven years now, you know, for all intents and purposes, right. your business has been around that long, or at least your relationship, your business relationship. So how many if you if you don't mind my asking? And like I said, this isn't scripted, everybody. So if I ask you something, Eric, that you're not comfortable, just say, Yeah, we can't talk about that. That's fine. Right. Um, but how many private investors do you guys currently work with?
1: Yeah, uh, it's a good question, Mike. And again, we've had investors that have shuffled in and out depending on availability of funds. But we currently have 10 different investors that we currently work with to fund some of our deals. Now, that does not mean for all of your listeners out there, I know some of you are probably thinking, oh my gosh, 10 investors, I can't even get one. Okay. What I mean by 10 investors is some of these people only have fifteen dollars to $20,000 in terms of available funds. That is great because it can provide funds to do a rehab. But that does not provide funds to necessarily buy a house. So you have your investors who have larger amounts of money and you have your investors who have smaller amounts of money. Both are equally important to getting the deal done. So, uh, you know, out of our 10 investors, we do not have 10 investors that each have a million dollars because if we did, <laughs> The volume of houses we could do would be a lot quicker in a lot shorter time. <laughs>
0: yeah, exactly. So that's interesting, though. I, honestly, I mean, I've known you for a long time, and and I, we've, I've never asked you that question because I guess mostly because it, maybe it's just not a question that would come up naturally. But um, right. for the purposes of this, I, I thought it was interesting. But I would have guessed less. I, and I I don't know why you guys are doing a ton of business. I just would have I would have guessed four or five that you guys use. Ten, ten surprises me actually. I didn't know you had that many.
1: Well, you know what, Mike, honestly, because um, because, again, of the amount of money that we are dealing with, with some of these deals, we do have three to four investors that we um, consistently rely on because of the amount of available funds that they do have. Right. So actually, when you said four to five, I believe you said four to five, that is accurate because we, again, because of the amount of money they have, um, we consistently present them with deals. Right. They're
0: they're probably the most reliable source.
1: Exactly. Right. I don't want to call them primary and secondary because I don't want your listeners to think that I value or think that they're more important one versus the other. It just all literally has to do with the amount of available funds and the current deal in front of us.
0: Right. Okay. So if you don't mind, let's talk a little bit about um, how you find new private investors right I, I'm assuming and I pretty much know this is a, a, a like a, sort of rhetorical but you you're always looking for new investors correct I mean you're always I- on the lookout
1: I am. I I feel like I'm like a panther that's consistently hungry. Exactly. to find new investors. And you
0: should be. I mean, I, I you know I've talked to people who said a real estate investor's primary job is to find money. That's really number one. And then number two is finding the deals. I've had I've interviewed people who said the exact opposite. Finding a deal is number one. Finding money is number two. But in any event, you're always looking. So how do you go about that, Eric? Is it networking? Is it online? How are you? How are you looking for? Give us some examples of. Yep. What you do, because this is one of your main functions in your business. So how do you go about it?
1: Yeah, and it's it's actually both. You hit the nail on the head twice, Mike. It is networking and it's online. So I'll just give you a for instance on how we got our first international investor, which you know is is something that you know a lot of people, you know, are proud of and talk about. For me, I don't care if they're from Hong Kong or Hawaii. I don't really care just as long as we can strike a deal it does not matter to me where you're from so um, honestly this particular investor I had no previous knowledge of Um, I was going um, to a meeting and I was introduced to um, a very well connected woman who um, owns a title agency we struck up a conversation and she was very nice very pleasant Um, I was introduced by a personal friend to this um, woman who owns a title agency. And she said, you know, I really, really have to introduce you um, to this one particular gentleman I have in mind. So I, I I, followed up twice with an email. I said, it was very nice to meet you. I appreciate it. Would you mind at all connecting me with this with this person in your network? Now, before that, though, let me just tell all of your listeners out there that we do have something now. We did not have it when we first um, when we first started, we do have what's called the credibility kit, which is just basically a PowerPoint ish, not PowerPoint, um, PDF kind of presentation that allows anyone and everyone to see exactly how many deals we've done and how much money we've made awesome. and what we're all about. How far and back that, does that
0: go, Eric? How far back does your, your presentation go?
1: Oh, my gosh. Um, We've updated it uh, over the years, obviously, because you have to add to the deals. I would say 2009.
0: So everything you've done since 2009 is in there?
1: No. Everything we've done since 2007 is in there. But we started the credibility kit in 2009 and have just updated it. Wow.
0: That's seven years' worth of houses in.
1: Right. So we are full disclosure. We want people to be comfortable. And honestly, Mike, I am telling you, when we forward that credibility kit to people, Watch the doors that come open because what happened was when I contacted this, you know, woman, I said, I just want you to know, I mean business and here's the proof. So she connected me with this particular investor, um, who is in the Metro Detroit area. And we, I took him out to lunch. You know, I, I, I do have a full-time job just so again, in all efforts of full honesty and disclosure with your Mm -hmm. listeners, I do have a full-time job. I just schedule business meetings at lunch and, I took him out to lunch. We talked, nice guy, kind of around the same age, same goals in real estate, didn't have to explain a whole lot. And we eventually um, closed on a 3000 square foot property using international um, investor money that he was associated with. So
0: that's awesome. it
1: was really just an introduction that I thought to myself, my gosh, where's this going to go? And the thing is, you never know where those things are going to go. Those are the things that will hopefully benefit you the most. When you think it's not going to happen, it really does. But I consistently, consistently am looking for new investors because it it might not just be like single family residential houses because everybody, every investor has a different interest. Right. right. So I am consistently looking for people with money who would like to do deals, whether that be real estate or non-real estate. Now, again, I love real estate, and real estate's what I'm focused on. But as you know, Mike, and your listeners will, will find this out, of course, too, is that you can buy single-family residential houses. You can buy duplexes or triplexes. You could buy apartment buildings. There's so many different ways to to you know, develop your own way in real estate. And, and you really have to cater to what the investor would like uh, to do with their money in real estate as well.
0: Yep. I, I totally agree with that, Eric. That's a good point. And I want to just talk a little bit about now. I'm going to discuss how I do this, and I'd like to know how you do it now too. But sure. so, sure. for my private investors, the the general um, documentation that I use mm-hmm. is we have a joint venture agreement. Number one, right? The joint venture agreement essentially just outlines and spells out. How the deal is going to go down, what the roles and responsibilities are, what the profit splits are, you know, all the contingencies if something doesn't go right, how that's going to be handled, and that kind of thing. So it's basically it's the playbook, right? And then I have a mortgage document that I use, and that's you know it is what it sounds like. It's my private investors have a first lien um, mortgage on the property that is in question, the one that we're buying. Uh, there's a first lien mortgage, right? Then there's a note, which basically outlines what the mortgage is about and how that's going to be paid and what the terms are and all those kind of things. So the note is basically the playbook for the mortgage. And then we also have another, a secondary note that we use for the rehab funds, because when you first buy the house, and this, you know, I think most, you know, adv- you know like um, seasoned investors obviously know this, but for people who don't know, when you when you buy a property, let's just again, we're going to use round numbers. Let's say you buy the property for $50,000 and the after repair value is $100,000. And you need, let's just say you need $20,000 to renovate. I don't even know if this would be a great deal, but <clears throat> let's just say that's the numbers. 50,000 to buy, 20,000 for rehab and it's going to sell for 100,000. Um so when you buy the house, it's worth what $50,000, right? It's it's not worth sure. $100,000. So, when someone loans you $50,000 to buy the house and if they're going to also put up the money for the rehab for $20,000, that can't be part of the mortgage because the house isn't worth that, right? So, if they sure. had to, you know, if they had to foreclose or whatever, if they had to call that mortgage due, they could never get paid because the house is only worth 50,000 when you buy it. So the second right. note that I use is the unsecured funds which we use for the rehab. Interesting. So so okay. there's a there's a mortgage note. There is a mortgage, right? Those two are basically tied together. And right. then there's a a second note that's the unsecured funds and and that is on a promissory note basically that I'm personally guaranteeing. And all of this is tied together by the joint venture agreement, which which explains the mortgage, the mortgage note, and the secondary note. That's basically that's how I how I've done my deals for years now. And actually, um I, I don't know if I told you this or not, Eric, actually, but um I, I'm starting a coaching program this month. I don't know if we've talked about it. Oh yet. no. Okay. Yeah, that's great. Right. That's wonderful yeah and this this sounds like it's a like it's a, a like a product placement kind of thing, but I really don't think I've mentioned this to Eric. So I'm just I'm just telling <laughs> no, them. We talk all like, the time, but I don't think yeah. I mentioned it. Okay. So I'm doing a, I'm starting a coaching program this, this month uh, okay. for my listeners. And anyways, the reason I mentioned that is... Well, number one, it's going to be awesome. And if you want to find out about it, go to juststartrealestate.com forward slash coach. But um, the reason I'm mentioning it really is because these four documents that I use, I'm going to give away... To my students, sure. anyone who who applies and I take them on as a student, I'm going to give them these documents so they don't have to go through the loop of. I mean, they still should take them to a lawyer and have them look at them for absolutely, sure. But absolutely. but but essentially, they're written for you. They're done, and I've been using them with, with uh, uh, success for the last several years. But those are the documents that I that I use right in my deals. And for buy and hold deals, it's it's very similar. There's a JV, there's a mortgage, <laughs> right. and there's a mortgage note. Um, The difference, though, is... All of it's going to be tied up in the mortgage because those those houses are going to be purchased and renovated, and the idea is we're going to stay all within the loan to value, uh, whatever that is. So, anyways, those are the documents that I use. So, in your in your deals, what kind of documents do you use? What 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 do you have your you know what do you give to your private investors?
1: Yeah, you know, Mike. I mean, we're even even a little bit more simple than that. But after hearing what you use, I'm wondering if we should change some (laughs) some stuff stuff with us. But um, I can. you simply what we use what we do and we have created these two forms um we have well actually i mean the only thing that we don't have that you have is the jv agreement and i'll tell you how we structure our stuff. So in the promissory note, our promissory notes can sometimes be two to three pages long. Basically, it spells out word for word what everybody's responsibility is in terms of funding, how much you're going to get back. It's a very detailed note. So I think what we're doing is we're probably combining the JV agreement and the promissory note. And I think what you might be doing is separating both, which separating is Probably a better idea, but we do a, a complete detailed mortgage form and have the recorded mortgage. We do do the first lien just like you do because that's only fair to the investor um, in case we default on the property for any, you know, catastrophic reason. Right. So our paperwork is very, very similar, but we're only dealing with. Three of the four forms and not and not the not the fourth. So okay, so what
0: forms do you okay, so you have a mortgage, a mortgage note, and then Correct. do you have a second note, or how do you handle
1: the rehab money? So we basically what we do is when we handle the rehab money, is our process is depending on if we're getting them from one investor totally or a or two or three investors. If it's two or three investors, we will obviously write separate promissory notes for each of the investors outlining their specific circumstances. Mm -hmm. If we do not, and it is just one investor, then again, we will tell the investor, look, I'll break it down for them. I will send them an email and I will break down, look, we are going to purchase the house for $50,000. We are going to need $20,000 for the rehab. We are going to need seventy dollars to $71,000 total, including closing costs, et cetera. I go, it is going to sell for 100000 using this example. So if they give us $70,000, then that is what is written um, on the... Um promissory note, okay the, right. the mortgage you are correct can only be for the purchase price of the house because the rehab is not factored into the actual mortgage because you're physically buying an entity for a price,
0: yeah. You know, and and maybe, you know, you said maybe you need, uh, you know, another document. Maybe I need one less document, to be honest with you. I like simple is always better. I mean, what it boils down to is this, whatever your private investor is comfortable with. And if your private investors look at these documents and say, yep, this, this, I feel covered and I feel comfortable. Yes, that's all you need. And honestly, if, if you could do it with one less document, great, more power to you. I mean, everyone needs to be covered. But I don't think the idea is to just heap on more and more and more and more documents. This is just the way I had it set up in the beginning. And you know, like I said, the great thing about this conversation is that it's just that I'm asking you questions that I've never asked you really before, right? And right. I'm, I'm genuine. I'm not setting you up for some great answer. I'm looking for. I don't really know the, what you're going to say. So, yeah, that's how that's how I do it. And yeah, the JV agreement, I guess, for me just ties the other three together. together yeah. But. Honestly, yeah. there's uh, there's a thousand ways to skin a cat, and uh, well, right. for all you cat lovers, I'm just a metaphor, but yeah, <laughs> there's a, there's a thousand ways to get a deal done, and, and my way is not the only way for sure, but it's the well, way I and, use.
1: And Mike, if our if our investor, if our particular investor was comfortable with five different pieces of paper just to cover what they their investment, I would I would do it. Right, I would do five different pieces of paper, whatever they wanted to do to make themselves feel comfortable. I want to do nothing in my power. If I can control it to hold up a deal,
0: right? And I and I think this. I, I know you're the same way because I know you. But um, you know, I can sign all four documents and and just get them notarized and, and recorded and all this stuff. My investor is going to get the exact same results from me if they would just to shake my hand and say, "I trust exactly. you. Here's my money." Honestly, that those documents aren't aren't making me do anything different than I would do. Because I I just would I would operate with the same integrity and uh, right. you know the same level of, of uh, honesty that I do with all the documents. But you know the fact of the matter is not all of my private investors you know are... have a close personal friendship with me. So Correct. you know like Correct. you said it, it's all about everyone being comfortable and that kind of thing. And I'm I'm happy to sign the documents. It doesn't it doesn't affect me at all because you know like I said the reason I'm going to put out the same effort and the results are going to be the same either way. So I want everyone to be to be comfortable.
1: Well, exactly. And I mean, Mike, I mean, honestly, if you and I were doing a deal together, would we do a handshake agreement? I mean, probably because we know each other. But that is not to suggest to any of your listeners who are just starting that you should do handshake agreements because it is always better to have stuff in writing. And it's always if you feel like something isn't right, you get it in writing. I have learned that and been burned by that. Before, yeah. So. Uh, yeah.
0: I know. I agree. You can get <laughs> burned even when there is, you know, when you have documents, but you know, not to say that either of us have ever burned anybody. I'm obviously making, right. making a making a joke about a separate thing that whatever. But right. Um. So yeah. I, okay. Good. I'm. I'm going to hold you to that, Eric. I'm. We're going to do a deal together. We're going to do it with a handshake, and then we're going to come back on here and talk about how it went. So that'll be that'll be cool. Someday we'll do that. And not, not. I don't know about by, by time soon, but we'll we'll do right. that just for the just we'll get- for the experiment. Will be fun.
1: Yep, absolutely.
0: But uh, yeah, I I agree. We know each other well enough where it's not really all that uh, much of an experiment. It would go, and and plus, because you're a real estate investor, like you said, you know, if uh, you know whatever, if we found out the the you know the draining the drainage out by the road was was blocked or something, and it it costs extra money, it wouldn't be like you would go, oh my god, what did you do? You screwed this up. I mean, things come up that you can't possibly know when you're when you're quoting the job, but. I think the between the two of us, you know, the the shock factor of something going wrong is is pretty low at this
1: point. Oh I mean, my gosh. I mean, you know as well as I do. You just you hear about the problem, there's going to be a problem on every single house, and then you just say, how can we fix it and how much does it cost?
0: Yeah, and I think, you know, those are the kind of things too that you those are conversations that you have to have bringing it back to private investors those are the conversations you have to have with private investors if you try to convince a potential private investor that nothing ever goes wrong and you're guaranteeing them you know everything will be perfect you are absolutely lying through your teeth you can't absolutely. you cannot promise that so you know like like eric said things will go wrong real estate investors if nothing else are problem solvers and yes, if that's right if you go through a, a job where there were absolutely no problems whatsoever number one you need to think about it a little harder and 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 think about whether or not there really were any problems because there probably were even if they were small but if you go through a deal with no problems. Just you know, count your blessings and move on because the next one, there's a good chance something's not going to go right. But I will say this, and I know you guys do the same thing. I, I don't even have to ask you. I think it's just something you do when you have enough experience. But when you're trying to figure out what the, the rehab costs are going to be and that kind of thing, if you if you like you know go through the numbers and figure out it should be you know twenty thousand dollars if nothing goes wrong you you almost never would go to your investor and say any 20,000 for rehab. You have to have a percentage of, of the deal in there that basically in case something does go wrong. So in other words, I guess what I'm saying is if I went through and just very accurately, you know, costed out the rehab and it came to $18,000, well, I know that things can come up, right? So you don't ever want to go back to a private investor and say, "Can I have two thousand more dollars?" Because I didn't realize that you know I was going to get into the wall and the wiring was going to be bad. So you sort of put on a, a factor where you kind of account for there being an issue somewhere along the line. So if, if you cost it out at eighteen grand, you, you're probably going to go in for twenty thousand dollars for the rehab. So you have you know some money there in case something minor comes up.
1: Mike, I, I, that is such an important, important point, and we consistently learn that each and every deal we do, we call it, um, for lack of a better terms, and excuse my French, we call it the "oh shit" fund. You know, right. because if we think that a rehab is going to be eighteen thousand dollars, like you said, depending on our costs and depending on you know where we are, you know, you also have to factor in you know things like insurance costs, appliance packages. Do you want to? Um, you know, give them a home warranty at the end of the deal. Things that you really enhance the sale of a house. Plus, you also always have to, con, you know, to um, prepare yourself for the worst of emergencies. Right. So that is what that that is all about. Now, in a perfect world, would we ever have to use it? Absolutely not. And then that simply is just obviously returned to the investor with no questions asked. We hope every time we do a deal we don't have to answer that. but again, you know what if your house goes you you think it's going to go in four months it goes in eight you know it sells in eight months those are carrying costs I mean right it, it gets to be it gets to be a lot of you know, a lot of expense. So that is such a great point to impart on your listeners: is you really have to be very smart with the, those numbers. Yep,
0: it's always better to go back to an investor and say, um, you know, we we beat our budget or we came absolutely. in under budget. That's always better. It's and just it's brutal to go back and ask for more money. It's just not the way you and, want to go.
1: And I will tell you, Mike, the way we've structured our business, we have never gone back and asked for money. Yeah. Because we don't feel like it's portraying the confidence and the strength that they have us and our team. So, in all in efforts of all honesty, how we fund that, any overages that we go over um, will come out of our pocket.
0: Yeah, and that's and that's exactly how it should be. Honestly, if yep. you're so far off on your estimates, and like I said, you know, you have to have, like you said, an old shit fund. You know, yep. to some extent, you can call it whatever yeah, you right. want. I mean, some people will just say. They'll tack on ten percent, you know, exactly. just for you know unexpected right. you know things that can come up, and like you said, it, it could just be as simple as, as carrying costs if it takes a few extra months to sell for whatever reason. So, I think that's important. Don't don't forget about that. And you know what, you know, if you're borrowing a hundred thousand dollars and you're shy to to tack on a couple thousand dollars to the rehab for the just in case kind of a thing. You're you know, you're really, you know, worrying about nothing because if someone's loaning you a hundred thousand dollars, you know, a hundred thousand versus a hundred and two is really not that big a deal. And I can tell you for a fact, investors will be far more aggravated if you have to come back and ask for an extra two thousand dollars than if you just ask for it up front, right? Just ask for what you Absolutely. need up front. It's it's that timid that, you know, being uncomfortable with asking, you know, for what you really need. But it's always better to ask for what you need than to come back and ask for additional funds. And like you said, I, I do the same thing, Eric, actually. If it goes over, um, I you know, that comes out of my pocket. So Yeah,
1: it's only it's only fair. And you know, to piggyback on, you know, what you said, as long as you are giving sound reason for what you are asking for, typically investors will come back with some questions. That's fine. But as long as you have facts to back it up and you're like look I just don't want this to be a disaster if you show the investor that you have their best interest at heart with their money I can guarantee you 9 times out of 10 you are not going to have a problem asking for that extra 2 5 whatever thousand dollars on top of on top of your number
0: right yep and I, that that's very key so all right Erica normally these episodes go for a half an hour we've went way past that it's oh, been geez, good yeah. stuff though so <laughs> let's wrap this up a little bit and like I said this wasn't scripted so I you know I don't have some clever little wrap up thing here but Let's first of all, let's start off. Uh, I I just want to say thank you again for for coming on and doing sort of an impromptu, like very casual, non-scripted type of a thing. I I didn't send you any questions. So, you know, you really, other than I told you we talk about private investing, you really didn't know what I was going to ask. So thanks for rolling with the punches on on, on this whole thing with me. Also, if anybody wants to get a hold of you for any reason, I mean, if there's, you know, if Bill Gates is listening and thinks (laughs) that you sound awesome and he wants to fund every one of your deals from now till kingdom come... Where can, he get, where can Bill get a hold of you if he's out there?
1: Yeah, it's, it, <laughs> that's funny, Mike. Thank you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> First of all, I just want to say thank you again for having me on. I always enjoy our time together. And you know I value not only our business relationship but our friendship more importantly. Yep. Um, my, it's real simple to get a hold of me, everybody. It's just basically my name at gmail.com. I'll spell my name out. It's Eric with a C and it's T-O-M-E-I at gmail.com.
0: Yep. Eric tome at gmail.com awesome um, shoot Eric an email let him just you know if nothing else let him know you heard the episode and and you enjoyed what he had to say or whatever but like I said if you have you know a couple extra million dollars I'm sure he wants to hear from you, you know?
1: <laughs> I'm sure could find, I'm sure I could make a uh, find a way to make it work
0: <laughs> exactly um, okay, well, I, like I said, I really appreciate it. Um, if you know, if anybody wants to, uh, you know, get a hold of Eric, talk to him about anything. All kidding aside, I think that that is a great idea. So let's wrap it up with that. And like I said, private investors are really the way to scale your business. So you know, this conversation we had a lot of fun with it, but there's a lot of good information here. And and you know, the, if you're a new investor, you should be aspiring to, to find private investors. If you are a seasoned investor, I don't have to tell you how important private investors are to your business. But you know what's really key is private investors are not there to do you a favor. It's a mutually beneficial arrangement. And if it's not, you're going about it wrong. So they should be getting something out of it and you should be getting something out of it. And both sides should be thrilled with the terms. And, and that's just the way it needs to be. Otherwise, it's just not going to be successful. So once again, Eric, thank you very much. And I will definitely be talking to you soon. We talk all the time, so it won't be Absolutely. probably within the next few days. But right. uh, I appreciate you being on, and we'll talk to you next time, bud.
1: Thanks so much, Mike. I really appreciate um, you having me on. And if any of your listeners have any questions, please contact me by email. I will help you in any way that I can because I've been where you are right now. Awesome. Thanks a lot, man. We'll talk to you. All right. Bye-bye. All right. Bye.
0: Before we go today, I wanted to remind you to go to our sponsor at justarealestate.com forward slash rent prep when you go there and enter the promo code just start you will receive their landlord form bundle for free also when you use the promo code just start you will receive 10 percent off of all of their screening products so go there today check them out and enter the promo code just start okay until next time if investing in real estate is your dream there's only one way you can make it a reality just start